Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Amen. I told Deborah if this whole priest thing doesn't work out for her, she'd make a great talk show host. My uh, daughters, who, if you're not acquainted with them, are four years old and two years old, soon to turn uh, five and three over the summer. Um, they've been chanting recently, largely at the instigation of the, the older one, who I think learned this from some boys at school. They've been chanting like this, we will, we will rock it, and then they go, out. We will, we will rock it, out. Which you know, if you know the song is a mistake, it's we will, we will rock you by the Queen um, from the late 1970s, which you've probably heard at every single ball game at any arena that you've been to in your life, uh, at least since 1977. Um, but uh, So I played it for them to uh, correct them that it's not out, it's you, but still, that's the way they chant it. Um, and because, uh, you know, they've been uh, chanting this, I've been recently reacquainted for the, with this song that I just sort of, you know, it's just sort of in the background of life and the, and the noise of life, and so I don't really, those kinds of songs don't really pay attention to the, the words, um, the, the story of the song. And there is a story, and, and We Will, We Will Rock You by Queen, um, that's about a, a man. Uh, and it's, it gives you sort of the three chapters of his life and the, the verses. I'll just sort of skip the chorus, which you know, and read the story to you with fresh ears. Um, for the first time again, it says this, uh, Buddy, you're a boy. Make a big noise, playing in the street, gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face, you big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place. And then the second one is, buddy, you're a young man, hard man, shouting in the street, gonna take on the world someday. You got blood on your face, you big disgrace, waving your banner all over the place. And then finally, buddy, you're an old man, poor man, pleading with your eyes, gonna make you some peace someday. You got mud on your face, big disgrace, somebody better put you back in your place. Well, I relate uh, to this man in the story of Queen's We Will, We Will Rock You um, over the course of life. Um, and still, you could say that I'm in that second chapter of Queen's song, The Young Man. But, you know, I've noticed, and at least with my own eyes, and I've witnessed or the people that I've been in a relationship with in old age, that this is still true for them, that there's this perpetual frustration, um, the sense of futility or, or confusion about life. You know, despite all our best efforts and when we think that we know all the answers, um, you know, from birth until uh, a deathbed, often there's um, just this sort of sense of almost being like Sisyphus, you know, with the rolling the ball up the hill that we're, we've got this internal restless sort of longing, existential angst, you could say. Um, and, uh, and I've had this my whole life, a sort of gro uh, groping for answers with the um, with faith. Faith in particular, you know, um, what are the answers to the biggest questions of life? And and often I've said I, I knew the answers, um, but but deep down inside I I knew that I was wrong, or that it was just a, a shade of the truth. That there was more to the 
story. Uh, and it's funny when I was, a ch- and I saw this even in childhood. You know, it's 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 strange that as a child, that if you don't know, I grew up in a faithless home. Uh, you could say atheistic. We, you know, we simply were not Christians or anything. We didn't go to church. And despite that, I'd find myself as a young child, like in a pinch, maybe hiding for something. And and I don't know where it came from. I'd, I'd pray to God. I'd shoot something up to this sort of deistic God, um, almost as a bargaining chip. You know, like get me out of this bad situation, and I'll, <clears throat> you know, I'll stop eating candy or something ridiculous like that. Um, and that carried on even into youth. Uh, and as a young adult, um, there were certainly times where I was positively, explicitly an atheist, you know, with my heels dug in the ground. Uh, you know, I was absolutely certain there could not be a God, that this is just sort of cosmic chaos all coalescing together. And yet, even though that was the sort of message that I was espousing, deep down I was searching. And and confused um, and over the course of, of a long time. And all the while, you know, um, I was sort of kicking my can all over the place, you could say. I was making big noises. I was waving my banner, as the song says, you know, waving the banner of some cause, maybe the big cause of my life or whatever the popular cause of the day is. And my main cause from late adolescence until about my middle 20s was academics or education. First as a student, thinking that I could find all the answers if I learned them and and, and come to perfection by learning, becoming enlightened. And then Later, as a teacher, um, teaching uh, philosophies to the world that now I think were at least uh, maybe just a shade of gray of the truth, at least, or maybe even false entirely. Um, and yet, and yet, even though I would tell the whole world that you know I knew all the answers, or told myself and and fooled myself into thinking that I had all the right answers, and yet I felt like a big disgrace. Um, with mud and blood on my face. At times I was convicted of being guilty or feeling lonely or inadequate and, and confused deep down. I was fooling myself with the same sort of empty philosophies that I was teaching. Uh, this was exactly the point at which the Christian gospel finally hit me. Um, in my weakness, amidst a purported strength, you know, even though I was telling the whole world that I was strong, God with a tactical shot hit me with the gospel in my weakness. And I didn't tell anyone for a long time. You know, I was almost ashamed of this, even though eventually I kind of came to uh, understanding that I was a Christian explicitly in my mind. I wouldn't even tell those who were closest to me for months. I would sneak out uh, early in the morning, Sunday morning, to go to church. Maybe some of you did that this morning. <laughs> you know, I had roommates, and they had no idea where I was going Sunday morning, where I was half the day. One of them told me several months later when he found out was going on. I thought you were just going to exercise. Um, and, you know, I say this here in the Bible Belt, but I'm talking about I was in Northern California in a place where uh, Christianity, at least in the circles that I ran in, was not um, a popular thing. And therefore, I was embarrassed about it. I lost my pride. You know, I thought I had all the answers. 
And I found truth in the place where I least expected it and wanted it. And yet, I knew it was exactly what I needed. And I tell all this story about Queen and We Will Rock You and about my own sort of, just a glimpse into the picture of my own sort of coming to faith. I I tell you all this to shed light on the story of Nicodemus in our gospel passage today. In the the sort of Queen schematic of We Will Rock You in those three phases of life, perhaps because of what's said in verse 4, perhaps he's an old man. You know, he says, how could someone who's old go back into the womb and be born again. Or, you know, maybe he's still in, in, in chapter 2. Maybe he's a young man about the age of uh, Jesus. He's a Pharisee, uh, a teacher. Um, well, well, who knows? You know, I mean, at least he's, he's no longer a child. He's well into adulthood. Um, and at this point, uh, where he's a teacher of Israel, uh, teaching certain philosophies, teaching the law, he comes under the cover of darkness. As it says in the passage today, this man came to Jesus by night. He understands deep down a need, maybe perhaps a disgrace, that he's got mud and blood on his face, that he's been waving the banner of Pharisaism to all of Israel, but the truth might lie elsewhere. Or maybe he just had a little corner on the market of truth, but here's this guy, Jesus, who seems to be sent by God by all that he's doing. And yet, when Jesus gives Nicodemus some answers, he's not quite ready to hear them or to understand them. Well, how are you like the the man in the Queen song, We Will Rock You? Or how are you perhaps like I was in my youth? Or how are you in what ways like Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John's Gospel, groping for answers and then confused by the truth of the Christian message? Perhaps this morning you feel like you are in the dark. You know, when I look back at my childhood, I feel like I was almost like in the dark ages. Um, And maybe you feel that way too. Or maybe you just feel simply that you are darkness incarnate with mud and blood on your face, guilty about things that you've done and something that you're doing now. Or maybe it's not you. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Maybe you've cut it all together. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's someone that you know that all that I'm describing is painting a picture of someone close to you in your life. Well, let me say that there is hope. There is hope. The end of Nicodemus' story is not in John chapter 3. This is our, our first acquaintance with him. But if you think of the Queen song, it ends saying, somebody better put you back in your place. That sounds an awful lot like being born again. Somebody better put you back in your place. Nicodemus later comes... Uh, up twice in John's gospel. First, he comes to Jesus' defense in front of the Pharisees, his own tribe, uh, and, and they chastise him for it. And later, after Christ dies on the cross, Nicodemus comes to Jesus' tomb and brings a 75-pound mixture of myrrh and aloe for the burial. 
Now, I don't know what that cost back then, but if you ever try to buy 75 pounds of aloe alone these days, that's got to be expensive. Um, and so uh, it seems that Nicodemus has actually been born again by the time we get to the tomb, just as Jesus described earlier to him. So let me end with this thought, um, that there is an awful lot of confusion out there in all the world, and especially because of what we've said as Christians about the topic of being born again, a phrase that we often just sort of, uh, sort of use rotely. Um, and often when people talk about it, you know, maybe someone will ask you a question like, brother, are you, when were you born again? Or sister, are you born again? When people talk about it often, I get the sense that they're talking about it as if it was in like our own power to be born again. As if it was in my own power uh, to come to faith on my own. But just as like when you were a baby in the womb, in the physical womb of your mother... You could not induce the labor yourself. You cannot bring yourself uh, to rebirth by the Spirit. Uh, when it, ha it has to be done by the sort of midwife who is God. <laughs> he has to induce the labor for us to have that spiritual rebirth. And when uh, the darkness of Nicodemus meets the capital L light... He couldn't help but be reborn. So let me end by uh, bringing in the capital L light to this sermon. And I know the light is here, but let me just address it directly. That no matter uh, why you feel disgrace or confusion or longing or need, uh, no matter uh, like if your causes, quote unquote, uh, have failed you repeatedly in life, and no matter your stage of life, whether you're a child, a young man or woman, or an old person, I want to say to you that the Son of Man is for you. He is the midwife for your rebirth. We cannot bring ourselves from the womb, but He is the one who will induce the labor. And so now hear these comfortable words within the context of all that I've said about we will rock you and my own coming to faith and the story of Nicodemus. Hear these comfortable words, something that's often also seen at a football game as the numbers of John 3.16 held up almost naively as if they're sort of a magic talisman when you see them. But hear these comfortable words within the context of all that we're discussing this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In the 17th verse, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen.